And welcome to our night on decision making and the will of God. Um, big thanks to Clara for letting us stay at her house. Um, bit pokey, but it'll do. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming out. You know, this is such a topic dear to my heart, not because I'm an expert in it, but because I've been like clueless for so much of my life. And um, so I just want to really share with you tonight a bit about, I guess, some wisdom that um, God's given me along the way from uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And in particular, um, from a really great book, um, The Biggest Letdown of a title, or of a uh, Cover of any book that I've seen in recent... It looks, like, it looks like, like an academic book, but it's actually not at all. It's really easy to read, and it's like full of wisdom. Bruce Waltke, Finding the Will of God, A Pagan Notion? Question mark. You should just scrap that bottom bit. <laughs> it's a really, really good book, and um, a lot of the stuff I'm sharing tonight is straight out of that. I brought a bunch of copies. If anyone wants to buy it, it's 20 bucks. Um, that's just what it costs us online, so... Um, this is full of amazing wisdom. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage from Scripture and then pray and we'll, we'll get stuck in. Um, so if you have your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 10. So the Gospel of John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, it's no problem. Because I'm going to read it to you. And um, I'm going to read the first 15 verses. John chapter 10. Verses 1 through to 15. Truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let me pray. Look, I just want to thank you so much for tonight. And I just want to thank you for this time. And just gathering together as friends and brothers and sisters in Christ um, around your word to learn from you. And Lord, just tonight as we come to a topic that uh, can be so difficult and confusing about making decisions. 
Lord, I just pray that you just give us wisdom. Help us to hear from you and help us to make decisions that honor you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by um, sharing a bit about my experience in making decisions. And um, I, I specifically want to share a little bit about a story um, of when I went uh, overseas. Um, you know, we live in the I generation with so many different options. Like, you've got more choices than any other generation's ever had before. And it can just leave you feeling really confused. Like, what should I be doing with my life? Uh, how can I honor God? Um, who should I date? Who should I marry? Where should I live? What career should I, be do- should I be doing? Study, job, house, all that sort of stuff. How can I know what God wants for me to do with my life? You know, how can I figure out the will of God for my life? Um, and I guess, you know, when I was studying at uni, at first I really wanted to be a doctor. Kind of came to a place in my life where I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life? You know, give me some sort of direction. This opportunity came up for me to go to Indonesia and I just wasn't sure whether or not I should go or not. Um, we were going to be joining a, a team of people doing community development work um, in Banda Aceh after the tsunami. And I was like really confused as to whether I should be going um, to this place or not. So I thought, I, I guess I really need to hear kind of some sort of voice from God to tell me what I should be doing with my life. So I decided, well, I'm going to pray about it. And so I gave myself to praying about it. I still didn't really know. I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm really serious about this, so I'm going to fast for three days. So I actually fasted for three days and was praying, like, God, give me something. And I just, I just got nothing at all. And so I thought, okay, not really feeling anything. So, all right, what I'm going to do then, I'm going to go. And God, if you don't want me to go, stop me from going. And that's, that's ended up how I made the decision in the end. I was like, stop it. So anyway... Um, it happened, it worked out in the end, but I kind of, that's, that was my approach for, for, for making decisions. Um, I guess I, di- I didn't really know what to expect or what the right way to go about it is. And so I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your background is. Um, but tonight I hope as we sort of look at the Bible a little bit, we might get a bit of clarity about what the, f- a, a kind of a framework is. Um, I got really two points for tonight. Um, the first point is about having a right perspective about God because I think we need to think rightly about what God's like. Um, and I think some of the problem we have with making decisions comes from not having a, a right perspective about God. Second point is going to be looking at a, kind of a framework from the Bible about what's kind of a wise way of going about making decisions. So they're the two kind of things we'll be doing. So first of all, having a right perspective about God. First thing, even before we look at that question, um, we're on... Decision-making in the will of God, right? That's what we're talking about tonight. tonight. Um, first thing I just want to even pause and ask is, what do you even mean by the will of God? Um, in the Bible, there's a whole bunch of different things that are described as the will of God, ways of talking about it. First of all, in the Bible, there's a thing called the will of decree, and that's like stuff that God commands. So at church today, we were doing the 10th commandment, right? That's God's explicit will. Um, you shall not murder or you shall not covet. And it's obvious, you know, if you read your Bible, you know what God says, what his will is, right? Um, that's one way of thinking about it. Second way is in the Bible, it's called the will of desire. It's kind of like stuff that pleases God. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different stuff that, the, you know, in the Bible is said to please God. For instance, Psalm 50, um, God talks about how he owns everything in the whole world. Um, and so he says, basically, you can't really do stuff for me that I need or give me anything I want. Even if I wanted something, I wouldn't tell you because um, everything belongs to me. But what I love is when people give thanksgiving offerings and stuff, just give thanks to me. 
Um, or in 2 Corinthians 9, um, it talks about how God loves a cheerful giver. Like God loves someone who's happy when they give and stuff and love to be generous towards God. So um, there's some things that God loves. But here's the thing. Both his will of decree and his will of desire, right? Um, the things that God loves and the things that God says. Um, we know them from scripture, right? But they don't actually necessarily happen. Right? Not everyone keeps all the ten, like, not even, like, no one in this room keeps all the Ten Commandments and stuff. So, um, there's another sort of aspect of God's will that is the stuff that actually does end up happening, which is called the will of providence. What actually happens in the end? And the picture in the Bible is like that God is sovereign over everything. So, there's nothing that happens in the whole universe outside of God's sovereign will and control. And so, His will of providence is what God in his sovereignty has ordained to happen in the world. And it's usually a mystery until it's already kind of happened. And then you can look back and say, well, that was God's will that that kind of happened, right? Um, Also, God's will of providence, the stuff that actually happens, doesn't necessarily match with, like we said before, his will of desire or his will of decree as well. A lot of stuff happens in the world that deeply displeases God as well. But if you're following God, then he says that he works it ultimately for good and for his glory. Um, Two examples on that. On the one hand, you've got Ephesians 1 in the Bible that talks about how if you're a Christian, God chose you even before he made the world. And on the other hand, in terms of will of providence, you've got things like September 11, where thousands of people died. Or in Indonesia, where I was, where 176,000 people died. Right? Right. Both of those things, in a sense, are God's will of providence, right? Um, But there's this fourth category, which I think is normally what we're talking about on this whole topic, um, which is kind of God's desire for us in specific but kind of perplexing situations. Like you've got a really specific decision to make and it's really confusing. What the heck should I do? Um, Like, should I go to Indonesia to live for a bit or not? That sort of question. Um, And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay, first question, what do you mean by the will of God? Second thing, um, question I want to ask, getting a right perspective on God, is this. Why do you even want to know the will of God? Is it because you want to be successful? Is it because you kind of want everything to go right for you? To have the best possible, most successful life that you could possibly have? Um, in which, in which case, kind of the, the other question I'd want to ask is, well, then is success an idol for you? Like, do you just want to have a life where everything's sweet and everything goes great and you want to know what God's will is so that everything will be amazing? Um, and I think that's really important um, part of it because honestly, when it comes to making decisions, that was probably the main motivator for me often is like, how can I not stuff things up and what's going to make me the most prosperous What's going to make me the most successful? What's going to be the best career option? Um, But maybe it's the reverse. Maybe for you, it's you're afraid of making mistakes. And and so you want to know the will of God so you don't, you know, stuff up life or something like that. Um, But the danger in all of this is that you can kind of treat God like a little bit like a genie um, to serve you in your success or in our success. Um, But if we're like, if we're truly in the business of following Jesus um, we want to know his will so we can worship him, right? We want to know his will so we can do the things that pleases him. And that's kind of what I'm going to assume um, when you know, we're discussing this tonight. 
So why do you want to know the will of God? Third, thirdly, and I, this is kind of really the, the main thing I want to think about, um, question I want you to think about is, do you have an accurate view of what God is like? You know, so often when it comes to um, thinking about this topic, I think a lot of the problems we have with finding the will of God is that we've got an inaccurate view of what God's actually like. Um, you can find plenty of books out there on finding the will of God. There's heaps of them. And they'll give you all these different sort of strategies about how to do it. Like you've got to just like empty your mind. What's the first thing that pops into your head? Or just grab a Bible and you do the flick open option and see what it says. Um, hopefully it doesn't land on something interesting or dodgy. Um, fast for a certain period of time. That's kind of what I did. You wait for a hunch. Maybe you interpret a dream or you say a certain phrase over and over again or you attend a certain ministry or you look for a certain sign or you listen for a certain voice. Um, the thing I, I want us to think about, when we treat God that way, like what are we implying about what God's like when we treat him that way? And again, I think it's like we're possibly implying that he's like a genie who you can trick into revealing stuff. Like if I do the right thing, maybe I'll trick him. And he'll just blurt out like a little bit of a, a sort of gold dust for me, give me a little bit of insight into you know, what the future holds or something like that. Or even possibly we can treat God a bit like he's a hustler. You know, like it's like, you know, the guy with the cup trick with the P underneath and it's like put the P underneath and you swish them around and you're always wrong no matter which one you pick. Like, do we think that God's like that? Like he's trying to hide his will for you. Like he wants you to kind of mess it up and mix it around and... Um, you know, actively concealing his will for your life, keeping it a mystery. But see, the thing is, the Bible says that God is not a genie, he's not a hustler, but just like the passage we read, he's a loving shepherd. That's what God's like. Shepherds lead sheep. Shepherds guide sheep and protect them. They don't distract them. They don't mislead them. They don't trick the sheep. Oh, go over there, <laughs> fall in the stream. Ah, you know, that's not how, what shepherds do. Like they care for their sheep. And the Bible portrays God as the one who takes initiative to lead us, not the other way around. Um, and that's the whole point of John 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Um, my sheep know me and I know my sheep. Um, I lead my sheep and they hear my voice and they follow me. That's what Jesus teaches. Um, Bruce Waltke, in, in the book I'm plugging, with the cover here, um, he says this. He says, God is not a magician or a trickster. God loves us enough that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So it doesn't make sense that he would play, play games with his children, hiding his will. Is it logical that the God who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will and so inferentially has a plan for each of us would conceal that will and plan so that his work cannot go forward through us? Is it logical that the God who leads us through dark valleys would keep us in the dark to hide the way from us? And I think the answer is no, it's not. God leads us and that's the teaching of scripture. God's the good shepherd. He wants to lead his people. And our part is to ensure that we're willing to be led by him. I think that's the most important thing, having a heart that's willing to follow. Um, since God is a shepherd, finding God's will, it's probably not even the right way to think about it, actually. Um, it's probably better to say how to be guided by God. Um, and I know it kind of sounds like semantics, right? Like finding God's will, being guided by God. But I think it's important because the emphasis in the Bible is that God leads us, not the other way around. Um, and that brings us to a second point that I want to look at tonight. 
And that's a biblical framework for being guided by God. Okay. Now, before we even start this, um, just a word of caution on this whole um, kind of idea of having framework. Um, you know, before we outline some of God's wisdom on the topic, we're a really impatient generation. We kind of want quick fixes and simple solutions. Just give it to me. Tell me what to do. Um, but God's word doesn't primarily give you a cheat sheet of um, what to do in different situations, but it's actually more concerned with um, who to be rather than what to do. God's main concern is the type of person you're going to become. Um, and mainly God gives us an example of who to be, and that is in Scripture, the Lord Jesus, right? Um, God wants to transform you into the type of person who makes excellent decisions because you've been transformed into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. You begin to love the same things he loves and you begin to be transformed so that you're so in tune with the wisdom and desires of the Lord Jesus as revealed in Scripture that you make wonderful decisions that reflect his values and his priorities. Um, you know, the Bible uses the, uh, a kind of a metaphor for the Christian life, and it's called a walk. And why is that like metaphor of walk used throughout the Bible? It's because it's about like slow, simple, repeated action, not just in these big moments, but day in, day out, over and over and over again. That's our life as Christians. And the reality is that every day you make loads of decisions. Um, someone estimated between 317,000 decisions you make on any given day. And it's those little decisions actually that end up shaping the big decisions that you end up making in life. Uh, Tim Keller recently in a talk I was listening to gave a really excellent um, illustration from the Wall Street Journal. It was a testimony of a man uh, who um, tells a story of growing up in a, in a household um, and having this problem with owning up to when he'd done the wrong thing. So he tells a story of his dad had this prized watch, a relic that was passed on to him that he kept in a drawer and he took it out to play with it but dropped it and he cracked the glass on the front of the watch. But rather than owning up to it, he put it back in his dad's drawer and closed it and hid it. And his dad gathered all the children together and he said, who broke this watch? And he refused to own up to it. And that just became the pattern of his life, refusing to take responsibility for things. Until he was driving late at night, many years later, and a child stepped out in front of him in the car and he hit the child and he kept driving. And he wound up, there. the police later found him, he wound up in prison uh, for hit and run and he was reflecting in the article saying, you know what, it wasn't the decision I made on that night that led me to be in prison, but it was a lifetime of making small decisions over and over again that shaped who I was. And I thought, it's so true. You know, we want just a cheat sheet to tell me what to do in the big decisions, but actually God's more concerned with the type of person you're going to be. Um, and I think it's the little decisions that, that shape the big decisions. So that's all a big caveat, okay, for what we're talking about tonight. Um, but there is a bit of a framework um, from Scripture um, to how we can kind of be guided by God in those big and perplexing decisions. The first one, there's a list of six kind of steps sort of thing. They, they go in order, right? So um, you can't just jump to the end and then back. Um, it has to be in order, right? The first one is simple. Fall in love with the scriptures. Um, let me read from Psalm 1. If you're familiar with the Bible, this is going to be one that... You know, I just want to read the first few verses with this. It always provokes me. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a, str- a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, se- in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The picture in this psalm is of a man that just, or a woman that just absolutely loves this word, this law, this instruction of God. Um, standing firm on it in different seasons of life. You know, it's not enough to just simply kind of like open up the Bible a little bit, read it every day. Um, this is talking about loving this. It's like, I love this so much that like day and night, like I'm pouring over it. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm taking these words and I'm meditating on them and I'm storing them up in my heart so that, that, that my thoughts and my mind become shaped by what's written here. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 16 talks about how all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, for everything, basically, when it comes to following and pleasing God. Everything you need to please God is contained within this word here. And the first step in making or being guided by God to, to make good decisions is, is to just fall in love with the scriptures, not just to read it, but to, to love them. And so the question to think on is, how well do you know this word? And, and how well, well do you understand it? You, know, you won't know the heart of God for your life if, if you don't know this word. Um, do you love it? Like, is it a treasure to you? Do you listen to it as they're listening to God? That's the first point. Fall in love with the scriptures. The second thing kind of flows on from there. And that's, secondly, develop a heart for God. And by that, I mean, including like praying to God and being dependent upon him. You know, if you're not walking closely with God as a friend, um, then you're going to find it hard to discern his will for you. You know, it's so easy to ignore God in life. And then just when there's a crisis that comes uh, or there's a big decision that you face, like turn back to him. But you kind of have this father who's in heaven who loves you and wants you to spend time with him. And he'll change you to be more like him as you do. And prayer is this opportunity to just kind of surrender all our anxieties and desires to him and entrust them to him. And when we pray, we pray like Jesus. We pray, not my will, but yours be done. We surrender everything to him. And so I think if you're facing like a big perplexing decision, it's important to spend time in prayer and ask God to lead you wherever he wants Tell him you're willing to follow him wherever he leads, whenever he leads, whatever he leads you to. Um, Ask him to guide you and your decisions and to give you clarity in in what you should be doing. And as you do that, as you spend time in God's word and prayer, you'll you'll begin to start to love the things that he loves. Um, He'll shape you, he'll change you. You'll begin to start loving things like the local church and the community where you live. And so... Decisions about where you live and the jobs you'll take and how you use your money, they start to be informed by the love that you now have for the local church. Or as you read the word and you begin to pray and God shapes and changes your heart, you'll start having a heart for things like mercy. And and so you'll start to notice the outsider and the stranger more who you begin to welcome into your home. And that begins to change and shape the way you serve. And, and then that begins to inform the career that you pursue and the decisions you make start to be informed by this love of mercy or the lost like people that don't know Jesus you start to to read the scriptures and you start to develop like Jesus a heart for the lost and 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 that begins to shape who you 
decide to spend time with and, and how you choose to give because suddenly you decide to give more towards the lost and it affects then who you end up marrying because you start caring deeply about whether that person shares the same heart for the lost as you share for the lost and your decisions begin to flow out of your heart from God. Um, so that's the second thing, developing a heart for God. Thirdly, and it's important that this third point comes after the first two um, because it has some like caution that comes to this point, is consider the desires of your heart. Now, God's made us as whole people, right? We've got physical bodies and a spirit and abilities and desires, and they're not all bad. Um, often, in fact, a lot of our desires are good desires, but our desires can also be twisted. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Or another um, chapter that I've been reading recently, uh, Matthew 15, 18, he says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Now, it's good to ask the question, what do I want to do? What reflects my gifts and abilities? What excites me right now? But we also need to be suspicious of our heart and our motives if we want to honor God. You know, in our culture here in Sydney, you know, we start with this point. You know, what's on my heart? What do I want to do? But as Christians, our, great cons- our greatest concern actually must be about honoring the Lord Jesus, doing his will and not our will, first and foremost. You know, as Christians, here's the thing, like I often hear people say, like they kind of dress this point up a little bit by saying um, things like, you know, when it comes to decisions, like, I have a real peace about this. Or um, I really feel God's telling me to, or things like that. When actually, if you peel beneath the surface, what often or sometimes a person can mean really is, this is what I really want to do. Um, and I think we just kind of need to be honest with ourselves about that. What's on our heart? What actually we just actually just want to do? Um, you know, if you just have a sense of something, um, don't pretend like God told you. Um, because it's just a sense. Uh, we only ever see in part, I think, as Christians. Um, here's the other reason why I think we need to be cautious about this whole idea of having a peace or desire. And I'm not saying that God can't do that, this at all. But here's a question to consider. Did Jesus have peace about going to the cross? And where would we be if Jesus operated that way? You know, actually, Jesus was in the deepest of anguish about the cross. Um, but love for God drove him to disregard his own sense of peace and embrace the cross. Um, and our call in following him is to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. Um, and the other thing to think about is why should we expect that following Jesus will, in light of that, always feel right? In fact... Mm. You know, sometimes God will give us a supernatural sense of peace about a decision, but often we need to be suspicious about our own feelings on things because we actually, we can be wrong. Um, So that's the third point. So uh, first of all, love this word. Second of all, develop a heart for God. Third of all, consider the desires of your heart, but be cautious on that one. 
fourth thing that I think is so countercultural, and even in my sharing the story before about my making a decision to go to Indonesia, you can see a clear absence of this, and that is seek godly counsel. Um, I had never even thought of doing this until I joined Sovereign Grace. I didn't even have a category for that. Um, I think it's so foreign to us. We're used to kind of letting people know after we've made big decisions, not beforehand. Um, God told me to leave or take this job or date this girl. You know, if you're just already telling someone that, you know, as a friend, there's not much I can say to that. I mean, it's kind of a well, shutdown. Do you know what I mean? Like, all right, God told you this. Bye-bye. Um, I sense God's calling me to do X, Y, Z. So I'm kind of just letting you know now that I'm gone. Um, and here's the thing I want to think about. Why don't we ask people for counsel and advice? Why don't we want to do it? What's actually at risk? Um, I think it's actually because we're insecure. Uh, we don't actually really know if it's what God wants us to do, um, but actually we really, really, really want to do it. And we're afraid that if I ask someone about it, they're going to say something that's going to shatter my confidence in this decision that I'm making. But what are we worried about? You know, um, If it really is what God's will is for us, we can have a confidence to say, do you know what? I'm hearing what you say, but pray for me in this because I really still believe this is what God's calling me to do. Um, so pray for me that God would reveal to me that's not the case because I still feel this is the right thing to do. But I think often we don't have that confidence. We're actually, we're not really sure. Um, so we kind of, because we can't handle the feedback, we kind of keep it secret until it's too late and then we let people know afterwards. Um, but see, the Proverbs are filled with encouragements time and time again to seek advice. Um, let me share a few Proverbs with you. Proverbs eleven fourteen. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs thirteen ten. Wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. Proverbs nineteen twenty. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs twenty eighteen. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. Proverbs 27.9, the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. And this is probably one of my favorite ones. Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I think it's so true. Um, seeking advice. Well, who, here's a question that obviously follows from that. Well, who should I even seek advice from? Um, not just anyone, all right, because there's plenty of bad advice you can get out there. Um, advice from godly people that you know and trust and, and you know they love Jesus and you know they're serious about following Jesus and you know they're godly and wise, not just anyone. And a big part of that's our church community, like the people you've got around you. You know, um, Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers, lest in any of you be an evil, unbelieving heart, leaving you fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's, we're called a body. Like We're meant to be so tight that this is a great place to ask people for counsel and stuff in this context. And in the same way, you've got people that are, are, are over you and leaders and stuff. Like You've got group leaders. 
Um, they're a great source of counsel and advice if you want to talk to someone. You've got godly friends and family that know you, hopefully, um, and who obviously it's great if they know the situation and they know the Lord as well. Pastors, you know, um, I'm kind of like the youngest of the pastors, so like I guess I'm the, like the junior pastor, but, um, you know, there's loads of passages that say that, well, I'm actually called to kind of like watch out for you guys, um, kind of to watch out for you. So um, as someone who have to give an account before God for the way I do that. And so obviously, like, I'd love nothing more than to help you, like, make godly decisions or give you wisdom if I can. Um, uh, so there's lots of people that you can potentially ask for counsel involved in, in those big decisions that you might have that are perplexing and stuff. So loving the word, loving God. Um, a third point was, I'm uh, forgetting my things now. Um, look at your own desires. Seek godly advice. Um, fifth one, recognize providence. Um, providence is essentially like the benevolent guidance of God where stuff happens that God does at the right time. Um, you know, you could be a person soaking in the scriptures, loving God, praying daily. Um, you could have examined your desires and all that sort of stuff. Um, sought counsel, received confirmation, and then the door closes and it's not an opportunity anymore. You can't do it. Um, and this is the care of God towards us, leading us and directing us and guiding us. Um, an example of that was, um, I really wanted to be a doctor and do medicine, right? And, um, you probably know the story, but I turned up two days late for my medicine entrance exam, which was really embarrassing at the time. But I probably wouldn't be here if I had turned up for that exam, right? Um, God's providence. Um, in the same way, the Bible teaches that we shouldn't like make these confident plans about what we're going to do. We're going to be here and do this and that. You know, James, it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. You know, when making decisions, providence, it, it never overrules the word of God. But we always need to you know, make sure we keep an open hand, knowing that God can direct us and lead us in any way he can. Um, an example of that is where um, David is hiding in the, in the cave and then Saul comes into the cave. He's hiding from Saul the king. And Dave could have killed him in that moment. And um, in fact, his friends said, you know, now's your opportunity. He's fallen into your hands. But he said, like, who am I to murder this guy? This is God's um, chosen. And also just an opportunity coming up. It doesn't mean it's wise to take it. You know, so often I see um, people, for instance, in this city, a job opportunity comes up that's in another city. And they go, oh, yep, there must be God's will for me then. Off, and off I go. It's an open door, right? Clearly it's God leading me. Um, it's not necessarily the case. And I think there's some other questions and things we need to think about before you can have clarity about whether it's a wise choice. And last but not least, make an informed and wise decision. After that, we just kind of, after we've considered all those other points, we've considered, you know, soaking in the scriptures. We've tried to develop a heart for God. Um, we've considered what's our desire that God's given us in our heart, a sense of things. We've sought counsel We've looked at the providence, you know, the gifts and abilities, the opportunities that God's provided. We just make a decision. You know, God's given us a brain and the ability to think. He's given us community. He's given us his word and he's given us the ability to make decisions. Um, here's a great prayer, a simple prayer he can make. Lord, here is what I'm planning to do. I think it's the right step. I've prayed about it. I've read your word. I've sought the wise counsel of others. I believe this is pleasing to you. So if you will, I plan to do this. Um, I think that's an excellent prayer to make. 
um, surrendering everything to the Lord. So that's a brief framework. What I wanted to do now with the time that we've got left um, is to break up into groups, maybe two or three. And I want you to ask um, a couple of decisions or a couple of questions to each other about decisions. So first of all, um, to the people next to you, what's a big decision you've faced in the past and how did you go about making it? Secondly, how is what you've heard tonight different from how you've operated in the past? Okay, two questions. And then any other questions you might have. And then we'll come back and we'll have a bit of a chat about it. Okay, so it'll take a good 10 minutes. um, Break up in small groups. Um, If you see someone looking lonely, grab them and they can be your partner. Um, And then we'll come back and talk about it. Thanks, everyone.